0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Alm, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat sermon by Rabbi Adam Kligfeld. As many of you saw from an email that went out just before Shabbat, our plans for who was going to be speaking from the beam this morning changed at the last minute due to uh, issues beyond our control. We had been honored and excited to welcome the Consul General of the State of Israel to speak to all of our Minyanim together. We were going to be doing that at the end of services after the end of the Bat Mitzvah here, the end of services next door and in the Library of Minyan. Uh, this would have been Consul General Bahar's first address to a community in a synagogue on Shabbat since the catastrophe of October 7th. And he had to cancel the last minute with regret. I spoke to him personally. And he looks forward to rescheduling uh, and actually being with us and sharing his, his words and his remarks. He wanted me to tell everybody uh, Shabbat Shalom and I'm Yisrael Chai and be proud to be Jews. Of course, when he speaks to us, he'll have more substantive things to say on top of that. Which means I had not planned on speaking this morning. <laughs> now, sometimes the last time I have to prepare the better the outcome of what I end up saying. But not always, so (laughs) we'll see what happens. But saying at a version of this in gatherings, informal and formal since October 7th, that the liturgy that we confront in the Sidur, and the words that we confront in our Chumash, in our holiest text, have been shouting out at me with immediacy, and poignancy and an overwhelm sometimes. The first Shabbat after October 7th was Parshat Breshit. And all I could think about was how quickly the world went in the Torah's eyes from acknowledging that every human being is created in the image of God to murder, probably over something petty the Torah lets us know very clearly that it is a very small jump from seeing the humanity in everyone and being willing to kill another for some reason that you have explained to yourself as righteous. And a Parshat Noach last week, all I could think about, and I taught a bit about this last week next door in Pilch Hall, was that we were all amidst a storm, Looking for a teva, looking for an ark to keep us safe and above the raging waters, and that the reason that God said that the earth deserved to be destroyed, and this is an accidental pun, but it is evocative nonetheless, is because v'tishachet ha'aretz hamas, because the land was overrun by Hamas. In the Torah, the word Hamas is just a Hebrew word. It just means violence. There is no intentional connection, as far as I know, between the biblical Hebrew word and the name of a modern murderous terrorist organization. But it's not lost on me that the Torah somehow was prescient in stating without equivocation that a world that is overrun with Hamas has to start over again. There can never be a world that can accept that. And in this week's parsha, Lech Lecha, I find the opening verses almost mocking me, teasing us with what the promise of Avram and his descendants in the land of Israel was supposed to be, and how sometimes our experience of it is antithetical to it. When God said to Avram, Lech lecha, take yourself to the land that I'm going to show you, which becomes the land of Canaan, the land of Israel, the land of our people, there are a couple of poetic predictions about what our sojourn and our claim on the land and what we do when on it are going to do for us. And these words are so hard to read, particularly Today. I'm going to bless the ones who bless you. And anyone who curses you, I will curse. It seems inverted right now. As Jesse Klein-Halevi wrote in an article this week, why is it? How can it be that the ones praising and defending Hamas particularly on college campuses, are less afraid and less nervous and less concerned about their well-being than the ones who are standing behind the descendants of Avraham who are trying to live in the land of Canaan. How did it get to be that the ones who deserve cursing are blessed and the ones who seek blessing are cursed. And in the next phrase, the blessing, the promise, the expectation, the prediction was supposed to be that all of the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. You will be the vehicle by which blessing comes to the world. And in an imperfect but dogged way for thousands of years, the Jewish people have attempted to live in such a way. And how is it that in our attempt to do so, rather than the world, much of it, experiencing blessing through us, they hurl curse upon us? How did it get so upside down? On some level, it is billions of layers more complicated than this. And on some level... Not that complicated whatsoever. What I'm holding on to in this moment comes from the next verse in the Torah. And a commentary on it by a Hasidic master, Rabbi Moshe of Kobrim. The next verse after the Torah laid out this expectation is Vayelech Avram, Avram went, Kasher diber elav as God had told him to do, by yelech ito lot. He went with his nephew Lot. On the pshat level, all that verse is doing is giving us a scene of Avram and some extended family going with him. The Hasidic imagination sees wondrous layers in every verse and every word that is shared with us. And Rabbi of Cobrin says we're being told something about this lot character that Avram is schlepping along to the land of Canaan. And when he says, yisrael machlit mitzvah. When a Jew, when a descendant of Avram, decides to do something right and proper and does a mitzvah, Kashir diber as God has spoken him, told him to do as it has in our verse, miyad, immediately somehow, as soon as we're trying to do something good, ito Something comes up, someone comes up and presents as an obstacle to our trying to bring goodness and light into the world. Nothing against the character Lot. I'm sure Avram's nephew had some good qualities and some bad qualities. This Hasidic text is turning him into an archetype. The archetype of the one who stands against the good that the Jew is trying to do in the world. And what happens when you confront that roadblock, that archetype, that instigator, that person or thing that sets itself in between the Jewish desire to be blessing to the world? And the inevitable curse that comes our way? I mean Moshef Coburn says, "Look what happens at the end of the narrative between Avram and Lot." Eventually, the Torah says, they have to simply part ways. If I go left, you better go right. And if there's right in this direction, I'm going to turn in the other direction to the left. In other words, at some point there needs to be a divorce and a clear separation amongst those on our planet who are fighting for light and aggrandizing and cheering for dark and for evil. Israeli author Yuval Noah Harari, a renowned, fiercely left-wing, proud peacenik, who has nothing positive to say about the current Netanyahu government or aspects of Israeli society that have turned to the right wing in previous decades He is decidedly against that aspect of the Israeli evolution. But he's decidedly in favor of the notion of the Jewish people living in the land of Israel, trying to bring peace and light to the world. And he said in an article in Time magazine this week, in no uncertain terms, Hamas and those who would seek to support it must be excommunicated from humanity. Hamas and those who seek to support it must be excommunicated from humanity. The Jewish people is facing a juncture moment the likes of which we have not felt in a long time. And I don't know where this leads. But I do believe that it's incumbent upon us to start making some distinctions of the category that we have been loath to in the past. And we've been loath to in the past for good intentions. Because God is the one who makes divisions. We are the ones who try to bring people together. It's going to be hard for the moderate Jew and the Jews on the fringes of both sides to do so. Because the moderate Jew doesn't want to take sides on lots of issues and create a large tent, sometimes hoping against hope that it's big enough to contain everyone. And the Jews on all fringes are going to be asked and required to part ways with those who celebrate the darkness and the evil in the human impulse. And to confront some of the transgressions of having befriended them in the first place. This will not be an easy process, and it and of itself will not lead to peace in the Middle East. But at some point, people of conscience have to say, I'm going this way, and if you're not on this side, you may have to go in the other direction. I do believe that for most of the history of the Jewish people, we have tried to live. Imperfectly, failing over and over again, but aspirationally towards the expectation and the prediction that God set before Avram this week's Parsha, which is to trot determinedly towards the land of Israel, and to be a blessing, and to have our very lives and actions and representations and commitments be a blessing to us and to those around us. I don't know how long it will take, but I hope that one day the world will let us try. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for Conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am, Los Angeles go to tbala.org.